It's the largest ever study into the impact of collisions on the heads of players sheds new light on who is getting injured and how. The New Zealand-based study used smart mouthguard technology to measure G-forces in 328 male players from under-13s to top-grade community rugby. It found that 94% of the G-forces experienced by players were lower than those measured on people jumping on trampolines. Most of the incidences where higher G-forces were experienced were the result of poor tackle or rucking technique. The study found 86% of forces on the head in community rugby are the same or less than those experienced in general exercise, running and jumping. The study was a joint project between World Rugby, Prevent Biometrics, New Zealand Rugby, Otago Rugby and the University of Otago. Let's try and make sense of the statistics. Otago University Associate Professor in Biomechanics, Dr Melanie Bussey, is with us to help. Kia ora. Kia thank you for having me. Can you explain, Melanie, what the smart tech mouthguards were measuring to reach these statistics? Were they measuring all G-forces right throughout a match, including waiting for a kickoff or, or, or running? Or was it more selected? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the When we first got involved in this project, we made it really clear we wanted to see what the whole breadth of the game was. We wanted to understand all the head acceleration context so that we could, first of all, compare it to other sporting codes, um, but also really understand what the risk is. Like, you know, if you're calculating risk and you want to understand risk, you want to know how much risk is there really in terms of the context or the construct, which is the head acceleration. So we did a lot of validation of just players running and jumping. We set up some standardized training protocols for them just so that they did the same thing um, over a period of time so we could understand just what is required to cause our mouth guards to trigger and measure a head acceleration event. Um, and then we knew going forward, we're going to capture the full breadth of the game. So that 94%, I'm trying to understand whether that could include players just standing around or whether there was a threshold to trigger the mouth guard measuring, whether that 94% of G-forces would involve some kind of... Yes, absolutely. Which which events, what level event would trigger the mouth guard? Yeah, so the mouth guards, yeah, so the mouth guards don't record continuously. They are triggered. And we set a trigger threshold of 5G. So the mouth guard is triggered whenever the head moves at, at that speed. Um, so it won't trigger if they're standing around and it won't trigger if they're sitting on the bench. It will only trigger if they are moving and running um, at the very least. So we did get a lot of events that were triggered just by the athletes running around. Um, and, and so we had to use video to verify every context of every head acceleration event. So that helps me. That's, that explains why that statistic is surprisingly high. It includes running, line-out jumping, all the sports that, as you say, are comparable to, to other forms of exercise. What level of G-force begins yeah. to get to an accelerated level? Uh, what what could you just give us a bit of a sliding scale? Um, obviously, tackling, scrummaging, these kinds of things. You one would expect higher G forces. What kind of level were they getting to? Absolutely. So 
as I said, as you said, the running around, the jumping, that's really similar to other sporting contexts. Anything between six and 10 G would be similar to trampolining, similar to um, on a roller coaster, for instance. When we get from 10 to 20, 29 G, we're looking at events similar to gymnastics on a vault. You can pull 29 Gs. Um, over that, when you get over 30 G, now we're getting into more like impact context. So then we start to see things that are happening more commonly in contact phases of the game. So in tackles, in rucks. Um, and we're... percent of the total contacts that we see but those are are most almost always a direct contact mechanism with the head to head head to shoulder head to knee or head to ground um, in a contact phase of the game we just dropped out there for a moment melanie so i'll, I'll go to the question that possibly gets to the nub of it um the six percent where those g-forces were higher that six percent yeah. of the events enough to trigger the mouth guard, but they were higher. Were they over 30G? How high were they getting? And what were they? Yes, so over 30G events are where we would start to say risk comes, definitely those are getting into riskier situations. And they are most common in ball carries, rocks and tackles, those events. And they're more common if from our community perspective in our under 19 schoolboys. So there were age groups where there was a, a, a higher proportion of these higher G-force events, under 19 players, first 15 players as well? Yes, all of our under 19 boys were first 15s. Um, so they were very the, the most skilled school-age players that we have. And the games have a very high intensity. So... They were the they had the higher proportion within each team of players who had experienced those high magnitude events. What does this provide this information given concerns about the long term effects of head injuries, concussion, and repeated sub concussion events? They might be in the six percent. They might be in a smaller proportion of the six percent. But that's where the concern lies. What does the study add to everyone's focus on minimizing risk of, of those events? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we saw was the highest magnitude events were in high tackles. So as the tackle height increased, we saw a linear increase, so a proportional increase in the head acceleration. And obviously, with higher tackles, you have a higher risk of a direct head-to-head -head contact mechanism, which usually ends in the highest magnitude of head acceleration event. So that was one that was an easy, low-hanging fruit, as you would say, easy to fix in World Rugby trying to install, instill that new lower tackle height law. Um, and we're, we're looking to see now, obviously, whether that's going to make a difference and whether it's making a difference going forward. Um, the next thing I think we'll start looking at is the ruck, because that was the other situation where we saw some of those high magnitude events. Um, and what we want to know there is whether there is some riskier player behavior happening in ruck situations. What about tackling itself? Uh, because the sub 
concussion, repeat sub-concussions are a real focus again of those concerned across many sports about trying to make them as safe as possible, reduce late life effects. If, what what mm-hmm. kind of level of force would you call sub-concussion? It, it might be just a player um, landing badly, right? Not necessarily any direct head contact, but landing badly. Um, did, could, could you, sub, could you yeah. study throw any light on that? Yeah, I think subconcussion is kind of like the holy grail of of all the researchers who look at head acceleration events um, because it's very difficult to pin down because it's multifactorial. It's not just one magnitude event that's going to do it. It's usually a cumulative effect, so it's it's a it's a the workload that's interesting. So I think the smart mouse guard technology going forward is going to be really helpful to us to. F- what we need to do is find out a metric, like how do we use this information now to be able to understand that cumulative loading effect? Because that's what we want to know going forward. How many of these type of events should we allow a player to be involved in in a week? Is there and, a and we pl- don't know that yet, yeah. but do- I think we're getting really close to it. Okay. By what? By, by what factors go into to knowing that? Well, we're, we're with the smart mouth guard technology. So far, we're talking, we've talked a lot about those, what we call discrete values, the peak linear accelerations and the peak linear velocities, um, or rotational accelerations. But when we look at it as a, as a biomechanist, we see a waveform, like we see what happens over the course of an impact event. Um, and in that, we can understand more about the energy that's transferred. And energy is the thing that causes injury, not just a peak G-force. Uh-huh. Um, and so digging more into what what context and what those waveforms look like will help us understand better um, that loading on an athlete. Melanie, just quickly, do you know if there's any plan to do a similar study with representative and professional teams? Absolutely. So we've already, World Rugby have already commissioned an extension to the ORCID study, which started in uh, the UK, and it's led by Greg Tierney's group at Ulster University. Um, and we're also involved in that project. And so that includes professional players across um, the UK, uh, South Africa, and even in New Zealand. Um, and then moving forward, they've extended it even further to next year, all professional players um, registered with World Rugby will be wearing smart mouth guards so we can continue the work. And that was my next que- my, my next question. How widely can those smart, smart mouth guards be used? I imagine they're not cheap. And second, the whole point is to understand the data they provide. Can they be used ongoing in community rugby or is that not realistic? Um, we, we are definitely trying to keep work going in the community. It is difficult because it is a costly, um, the mouth guards are expensive. Um, they cost anywhere from 300 to 500 US per mouth guard. And obviously a lot of time for a person to keep track of the mouth guards, keep them charged, keep them healthy, and, um, and they need to be replaced every year. So it's a very expensive endeavor, endeavor and one that the professional side can take on more easily than the community. But we are trying to keep some work going in the community so we can keep investigating and um, keeping those players safe as well. Melanie, thank you very much. Dr. Melanie Bussey is a Tug University Associate Professor in Biomechanics.